Lagos Talks 91.3 and Corporate Shepherds presents the man of the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome, my dear friends and very distinguished listeners of Navigate with I.D. It's a pleasure and honor to welcome you to the Business School on Radio. I must tell you that I am so enthralled and grateful to God for the gift of life. I'm also more grateful to you, distinguished listeners, especially those who have taken out time to give some measure of feedback that have also helped energize, inspire, and put us all on a trajectory that has made motivation to come for these sessions every Tuesday, every Thursday, very possible. I want to thank you sincerely from the bottom of my heart. Sincerely, too, I want to thank specific people who make this happen behind the scenes. My erstwhile and indefatigable uh, producer, who will remain anonymous because he will kill me if I mention his name. And of course, you all know my boss, in corporate shepherds, she will also put me in a in a little sack if I keep calling her name. And I have some other bosses all sitting in different areas of endeavor and specialization that make this program get to you live and direct. I say a big thank you to everyone. As we begin to hunker down on the year 2022, and as we all as Nigerians sit in the euphoria of a fresh beginning, what I mean a fresh beginning, 2023, the year in view. We need to live in the moment, friends. Yes, as much as we look into the future, we have to be present in the present. And by so doing, like I've always said, I've elected to look at the subject of leadership as a major thrust that we will take through the business school for the rest of the year. And if necessary, starting off with the year 2023. It is in the light of this that I took out time to walk through Robert Nuschel's nuggets, which I shared in the last two episodes. But then in the overall picture, I am looking at instilling in us what we would see, the traits of a servant leader, and not just the traits that you can imbibe and begin to do things differently. But more importantly also, we are the throes of picking specific leaders into different cadres of government and governance. And this hopefully will stir the hearts and minds of Nigerians not to look at anybody from the lens of a tribe, tongue, ethnicity, religion. Those things don't count. They don't count when you're looking for a leader. What counts is what we've talked about, the ability. What counts is the capability. What counts is the capacity. What counts is competence. And so I would like to put leadership into perspective as we go into today's session. Is really looking at leadership and making that come within its own perspective. And by so doing, I'm going to glean on Nuschel's uh, literature that allows everyone to sit and to also unleash the power that is inherent and in it in people 
people are the greatest assets. God created man. God made man and woman. God made people. And so people are the greatest assets you can ever find. Don't ever be deceived. When people tell you, oh, people remain central to our philosophy and they do nothing about building the capacity of people, they're not ready to drive productivity. And so as we look to having leaders, I want you to be able to understand and sift through the entire path and know which person really qualifies to lead this nation. A series of town hall debates and all whatnot are going on. You can begin to see who has it and who doesn't. You can see a bit of angling. Some people decide to hoist their flags only in areas of comfort. But one thing I can tell you, I have not really you know, seen so many that actually deserve to even sit in that exalted office. Maybe one or two flicks. But I'll tell you honestly, Nigeria needs to do better by grooming leaders for the future. And this is just the beginning. This is just a way that corporate shepherds want to contribute to this whole process. And I hope as we try to put leadership into perspective that you will enable that which is inside of you and begin the process of making the best of your legacy. Friends, if we are putting leadership into perspective, I will say something to you that there are no simple formulas that can guarantee success as a leader. You cannot sit in a space and say, there is a slick method. No, there is no slick prepackaged technique that can teach you to lead or manage in a manner of ours that will teach you how to lead or manage in a matter of ours. Leadership is a skill, whether you like it or not. It is a skill that requires capacity. Don't be fooled. When someone tells you or they tell you, no, what this person has done this before, this person, um, you can't live in the past, in the moment, in the present. Great as the past can be, it is not significant when you're looking at the now. And it does not create a sense of the future because the now presents the future. So if a man does not have the capacity now, what makes you think he will lead well? If a man does not have the capability now, he may have had it before. I was rich is a testimony of the past. I was rich does not mean that you are rich today. I was rich does not mean that you are rich in mental abilities. I'm not talking about wealth from a standpoint of money. I'm talking about having a sense of judgment. I'm talking about dedication. If you were young, energetic, and could thrive, then, that was then, yesterday and then last night, today is the day that we need a skill. We need leaders that can bring their stuff to the table. I must tell you, I was very impressed about one of the presidential candidates, the gentleman called Adebayo, I think is in a party called SDP, if I'm not mistaken. That young man has, you know, what it takes to be part of a government that will help steer Nigeria well. I hope we'll get to the day and the time where truly we will disrupt the entire ecosystem 
whilst recognizing that people must come through parties, but the eventual winner, the eventual person who carries the flag will call other people and involve them in the government so they can make Nigeria great. It is not about the party getting to feel loyalist people who put in money. No, that we need to change the trajectory. Unfortunately, we will see that you can never remain a champion for life. Why am I saying so? There'll come a time there'll be a deep hills and valleys. I will shout out to our own Israel Adesoya, who lost his title. He's defended that title for six, six consecutive times. But this time around, some other gentleman had to take him out, just like happened with Kamaru. What he tells you is that you cannot be there all the time. And when you are able to stay through without being dethroned, like Hussein Bolt came in, spent his time, his season, he went out. That's the same way leadership is for his season for an individual. But when you get off that track, it means that you are presenting a legacy. It means that people that you would have groomed can now take on the mantle. You don't have to always present yourself. That's why I'm saying and I'm putting leadership into perspective with this particular session to say that leadership is a skill that requires capacity. It requires dedication and experience, which means time to live and learn. You have to give yourself time to live and learn. So in the course of this series, one of the things I will try to do by the grace of God is to deal with fundamental values and ideas about leadership. So even when you are aspiring for a role or you are in a role or you are in a common place, which is a natural fit for you, either as a father, as a big brother, big sister, or a community leader, you will understand that the embers of leadership are all around you and you don't have to be the main man on the deck you have what it takes to live and learn and go through all of that. That becomes your own experience. And so we will deal with the enduring aspects of leadership. We will cover the fundamentals like we've been doing. Recall I took you through the nuggets by Robert Nuschel, the Nuschel nuggets, about 20-something nuggets that I shared with you. And those are more or less summarized fundamentals. But I'll tell you something that at some point in leadership, there's always an old-fashioned style, but very essential if you understand blocking and tackling. That's a, when you get into the game of football, you will understand what blocking and tackling is. If you are involved in a team sport like basketball or handball, you'll understand what blocking and tackling is. It is all about playing playing an offensive strategy. When I mean playing on the offense, not in terms of being offensive, I mean being um, embattled with rage and fury. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a sport. I'm talking about leading. I'm talking about a team being galvanized simply because there is a leader in the ship and that leader could be you. That's why when we are looking for a leader, to successfully take this ship called Nigeria to a place, at least get it through the tumult and push it into the deep ocean, 
despite all that will be coming, with the rudder firmly in his hands and with the right crew, we know that the affairs of this nation will get back on track. I have had the privilege of meeting several CEOs, captains of industry, and everybody seems to look at 23, that is 2023, with some caution. Everybody seems to feel we don't know what's going to happen. And one message I always say to them, friends, is that once upon a time, we also had the same feeling when we were found ourselves in those situations. What am I saying? Every time during the period I served as a chief executive or an executive in either of the corporate organizations I had the privilege to serve, when it's an election year or when it's getting towards the election, there's always a feeling that what could happen, what may not happen. There's also that part when the economy is not tanking right. We've had a series of that in the past years. I recall vividly in 2015 when we got hit with the 41 items and I was the CEO of L'Oreal. And I know what the business had to, you know, really recalibrate itself. So in every situation, whether it's business, whether it's a profession, whether it's community, whether it's economy, whether it's the vitals, whether it's in health, whether it's in education, whatever sector, we always need someone that will lead that ship. So a leader is one who is able to bring that skill to bear. But he or she must have a sense of dedication and capacity. My views on leadership have actually been shaped by some 35-odd years of experience. And as you know, I've consistently said this on this program and other platforms I've had the privilege you know, to share my thoughts, that I've spent quite a number of my years observing and practicing the art of leadership. As a young executive, as a young graduate, as a young manager, working for several corporations, you know, I started with ELF as an assistant cost controller and then moved over to Guinness as a management trainee. Those were the very young days of observing and practicing. Thereafter, I spent a reasonable chunk of time working, you know, through the process, being led, and also looking at what some of my mentors did, either at Guinness or at Coca-Cola, and finding myself embracing 18 years of solid splendor in knowledge and teachings. But a lot of it had to do with me acting out what I've seen, acting out what I've observed, and taking the art of leadership to a different space. So getting into a certain space, when you realize that you've spent a good number of years observing and practicing, you begin to find yourself into a more focused and primary space of strategic planning. You start becoming a thinker. You start looking at thought leadership. You start looking at organizational structure. You start looking at management development. You then consider logistics. Logistics here is entire chain. What would make any system work well, end to end? All of this means that you are acquiring leadership. Don't be a one-faceted, one-faced, single-faced leader. 
specialization is great, but I can tell you, when you open your heart to learn, you make the best of it. So I bring this again back to the narrow throws of looking at the governance of our nation. I want you to understand that the men that are putting themselves up either for roles in the National Assembly, State Assembly, the governorship, um, or the president, and what have you, every single one of them must be able to show us a journey where they did not only serve, but they observed and practiced the art of leadership. Because some of them are not leaders. Some of them are managers. Because the leader must envision strategic planning is key. Understanding organizational structure is key. Management and critical development is key. And when you bring all of that together, you must line up one big thing, and that is ethics. Friends, I stand before you and before God who will judge the living and the dead to say that ethical leadership is what makes everything come together. Underneath it lies strong values. If you do not have a man or woman who is ethically sorted, ethically settled, ethically loaded, the country, the business, the community, wherever that person superintends over will be in trouble. What would happen after the person has gone you'll see the disruption and destruction that would have taken place. I always give you the vivid example of going to watch a ship, an ocean liner or a cruise ship. When it passes, just look at the back of it. You'll see what it's called, the wake, W-A-K-E. That tells you that mammoth behemoth would have passed through the water. Will be tied any small canoe that is there will capsize. Any small boat there will capsize because... That is what happens when you have a clueless, a gruesome person step into leadership and go out of the place. That's not what we re require for our communities. That's not what we require for our businesses. That's not what we need for our families. You cannot afford to destroy your family. You cannot afford to destroy generations simply because you lack the fundamentals of a leader. But then, you may also argue that there's a part and a place from scholarly studies that a lot of people need to learn the art of leadership by going to school. You may read a good book. You may read several books like I do read. I have several books that I've read in the course of my life, my career, and I keep reading. And these literature have a way of forming, shaping, and also bringing several ideas to the table. But when you observe and do not practice, you will just be a standalone. And if I'm really going to continue speaking to leadership and the subject, one thing I'll tell you is that human effectiveness or increasing human effectiveness is one of the few remaining business frontiers, mastery of which will give anybody starting from you, a competitive advantage for the future. So if you drive your own personal effectiveness, you drive your team's effectiveness, 
you drive the overall leadership effectiveness. Trust me, it is going to give you a competitive advantage and edge in the future. One other thing I'd like to also you know, throw out here more importantly is the fact that when you look at the higher institutions, you look at the religious organizations, I beg your pardon, institutions like the churches, like the mosques, like our government, any organization, you'll find that very clearly the individual who aspires to be an effective leader has most to gain from meeting the challenge of increasing the effectiveness of those who work with him or her. So are you a departmental leader in your church? The way you will be seen as being effective is how you meet the challenge of increasing the effectiveness of those who work with you. Are you a lecturer? Are you a professor? Are you an academic? Are you a public official? Are you a manager or a director? Whatever institution you find yourself, my submission to you is the fact that you must meet the challenge of increasing the effectiveness of those who work for you and with you. So what is the purpose of this session today? Is to provoke, is to inform and inspire those of you who desire to increase their capacity to manage and to lead. This is not meant to be a study of organizational behavior. Rather, I will focus on the individual as a leader. That individual is you, my friend. You're listening to me right now, and you are the focus of this particular session. What I intend to do is see how I can, by reason of explorative tendencies, look at the anatomy of leadership, try to dissect it, and then examine many of its important facets. I wish to add some light to a subject that is pondered by humanity because the whole earth is groaning and waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God. What they are looking for are leaders, people who will lead right, do right, keep right, and be able to stay right. And by the way, this is not to suggest that anyone that does wrong is not a leader. No. What he's saying is that you will make mistakes, but you are open and honest to be able to cause correct and not living in a world that suggests that you don't care or you don't know or they don't exist. That in itself is a disaster. So my hope and my prayer is that as we go through this series, you will have a way of enhancing the practices you're putting to bear, either as a successful executive, as a successful manager, or a manager of resources, people, and material, and also to serve as a supplement. This is, you know, if you think about uh, supplements and how they help, you know, provide some soccer where you bond some key vitamins. They are able to come in and say, this guy has been working himself so silly. Let me give him some supplements. Supplements supplement what you have. So I hope this will serve as a supplement to aspiring business students, to aspiring business executives, 
and to those that are coming up and upcoming and are also within the rank and file of the University of Fresh Graduates, as it were. But one of the things I am hoping that by the time I turn 60, when I hit the diamond age by the grace of God, one of the things I really want to do is to actually teach business and leadership at both graduate and undergraduate levels in the university. I'm hoping um, that I'll be able to make such a contact. I can go around. I want to spend my time being able to share, like I'm sharing with you, like I've always maintained, friends, Navigate with ID is a big ship. But for a big ship to continue to sail, it can take as many millions of listeners, as many as these listeners can be, just like yourself listening to me. We will need small lifeboats. The lifeboats are the places where you are able to spend one-on-one -on -one connection points and being able to help people get themselves through to the shore safely. Should there be anything or should anything happen, to the big ship. So this is the trend I'm walking towards, and I trust God to help me, that someday, a few years from now, I'll have the privilege to teach business and leadership at both graduate and undergraduate levels in some of our universities, and that hopefully will help enhance the value and the sharing of knowledge, and then by extension, propagate a legacy that will make others carry the banner rightfully. So friends, we'll take a break now so we can pay some bills. Remember when we get back, we'll continue on the journey as we put leadership into perspective. Don't go away, we'll be right back. This is Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome back, my dear friends. It's Navigate with ID. This is your business school on radio. And yet again, I'm welcoming those who may have, by sheer reason of um, a touch point, just found themselves on this beautiful station and channel. Welcome. Uh, like I said, it's a business school on radio, and we run this program every Tuesday and Thursday at 3 o'clock. Um, such an honor and privilege to be here to share and also to learn. We're looking at a subject, an overarching uh, theme, leadership. Well, with specific... Um, dimensions this session is really bringing into beer um, and putting leadership into perspective so this is what we've tried to do in the first half to let people see the form and shape that leadership takes that leadership is a skill that requires capacity dedication and experience which means time to live and learn we also talked about the fundamental values and ideas that come from leadership and then the enduring aspects of leadership, which will be fashioned amongst essentials and looking through the lens of what human effectiveness is all about and how the personal effectiveness can drive mastery, can become a competitive advantage in the future. It was from that whole series and talk that I pushed forward the agenda of this leadership in perspective to say that for me the objective of this session and the sessions that will follow um, in the next edition is to provoke inform and inspire 
those who desire to increase their capacity to manage and lead. And that led me to speak to the end that I look forward to my couple of years down the road, by the grace of God, when I turn 60, get into that diamond frame that I would like to look forward to teaching business and leadership at both graduate and undergraduate levels in some of our universities. And hopefully that would help increase the importance and enhance the value of this particular space of our lives. Friends, not that leadership can be taught in the classroom. That's not what I'm saying. But basically, we learn to lead by leading. But we can learn much in the classroom by having practical experiences and people gleaning on what has been done in the past. Like you'll always find in the good book, you would talk about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was transgenerational that the values from the set man called the father of many nations, you'll find his heritage, Isaac, Jacob, and of course all the great-grandchildren pushed through a certain DNA and a certain value. The set of values have come as an infusion, and you know that this is a family heritage because our country, Nigeria, needs to be repackaged. And when I say repackaged, I'm talking about the minds of the people. We must have a DNA that speaks to oneness. We must be able to understand that we need to shape and develop our own leadership patterns. We must have the level of leaders that we want to be well-groomed and polished. Just look at the monarchy. Look at the British uh, system. You'll find that regardless of what you want to do, once you are a prince or princess, there are certain things that you have to do. You may want to do yours, but you are constrained by the system to stay within the lane of who and what you are. Because tomorrow, you just may find yourself as the king of the empire. Well, friends, I can tell you, in the course of my 30-odd years as a corporate executive, I had frequent opportunities to work with several great people, several great agencies, several great institutions. And I can tell you that God granted me an opportunity to meet some of the best of the best, not just in our country, Nigeria, but across Africa, and not just Africa, given the kinds of brands and businesses that I managed or I worked with, I was able to find myself, you know, with some of the best minds in Europe, America, and of course, Asia and Latin America. And so I have seen a bit of what you can call considerable exposure to people, behaviors. I've seen and been exposed to MBAs, people that are of um, graduates of great MBA schools. Well, guess what? At the end of the day, my own MBA was from a local space here in Nigeria. That local space, gone are the days, used to be Yesud Business School. But what tells you is that you can still match with the very best of the best outside there. Sometimes I feel that we do ourselves a lot of disservice, that you kill the desire and you kill who you are. 
simply because you think you cannot stand well with these guys that have gone to the Ivy League schools? What makes you think they are better than you are? I have never one day felt inferior that you went to Harvard, INSEAD, and what have you. That's your grace. That's your opportunity. I am proud to say, listen, I may not have gone abroad to study, but I'm a proud product of this institution, this institution called Baptist Academy, this institution called the Federal School of Arts and Science. Spent time at FSS Undo and the stint at Suleja. I, I attended a state university at that time. It was called the University of Cross River State. And of course, went through my master's year at Eastwood Business School. I had an MBA. And friends, I can match the best in the world. So why should I feel inferior? Some of you begin to feel inferior. And so your qualities and skills that you have that are in it, you throw them because somebody brings something from Harvard. Who says Harvard is better than you are? Harvard is Harvard. Unicross is Unicross. How do they know what I got through? So when I see a lot of people want to die to go to Harvard, I have nothing against it, and I'm not beefing. This day, you can walk into Harvard and come out. Now your money, just pay. Just go online. You get a Harvard certificate. When I see people line up, a Harvard graduate, so what? I'm a Unicross graduate, and I'll match you pound for pound, two for two. That is not a necessary prerequisite for leadership. No. It is about having an impression and a solid understanding of what constitutes quality leadership. And that comes from a personal exposure to work and many one-on-one -on -one in-depth contacts. Leadership is not something you sense because you have an MBA, because you have an experience from an Ivy League. I'm not beefing those that went to Ivy League schools, but sometimes some of them really feel that schooling abroad is a big deal. It's not a big deal. You can school here. You don't need to dash out. You can school here and become a leader of leaders here and even lead the rest of the world. You know, I sit by the grace of God with a lot of pride when I look back at my days in corporate that if I, a boy that was groomed from a state university in Nigeria, can sit atop an organization like Samsung, can sit atop an organization like L'Oreal and be one black man they never had sitting in top leadership around the world, then you can make it happen. So don't let anybody deceive you. You need to distinguish and evaluate your quality. Your quality is what makes you tick. And when you understand how to galvanize people, put them through an agenda, then you become a high-profile leader. And as you will see with time, you begin to learn. You begin to you know, unlearn some things, and you will relearn. That's the whole essence of what polishes your leadership style, ability, effectiveness. One thing you'll also find is that if you are very serious about it, you will be able to identify the gaps that you have. And those gaps are the things that you potty or feel. Now think about your house. If there is a dent on the wall or someone hits the wall, maybe there's a sharp object that makes uh, a necessary intrusion into the wall of your living room or bedroom or wherever. You call a mason. And what does he do? He does one thing. He will mix some cement and sand. And then he'll go there. And then they'll sand fill, do all the things. They'll paper fill it. And then, you know, they'll paint. 
you will not even notice if a good job is done. That's exactly what happens when you have some fading lines in the course of your journey to leadership. But if you don't listen to those things or see them and fix them, then you're opening yourself up for a disaster in the future because leadership is a place that exposes you. All your weaknesses will come out. The day you are appointed, the day you are nominated, the day you are elected and you are put at the top of that food chain, all your weaknesses and everything that you have will be brought to the fore and will betide you if you don't have a strong foundation. If you don't, you're going to go down. What goes down first? The entire essence of your being goes down. And when a leader lacks essence, when he lacks the right, when, he, when his confidence goes out of the window, you start going after witches. You look for demons and spirits to commune with. Go asking Saul. He will tell you. When a man loses the essence of who he's been as a leader, the confidence, the entire structure of him, he will look for things and people. And that's where those around you will take advantage and take you to all kinds of sorcerers. That's why men patronize sorcerers. They forget how they started. They forget where they're coming from. They forget the fact that God had given them innate ability to dominate everything that will come their way. But because they've lost it, they now turn to sorcery, witchcraft, and all manner of stuff. And they think that will save them or restore you as a leader. No, you are sinking further. So, I'm saying to you, my friends, whilst I'm convinced that it's good to seek knowledge, get a lot of certification, I'm saying to you, my friends, don't feel inferior to anyone who has gone into some other higher dimensions because you are all fellows in the same ship. And that's exactly where I would like to really, you know, put this in. And I hope this message sits well. Remember I said that this particular session is about putting leadership into perspective. And once you're able to do this, you and I will actually set a motion that will carry us all through the day and the time. One of the things I would like to, you know, really highlight is the fact that when you are going through the process, one important element that university training can contribute to an aspiring leader is to give him or her a well-rounded view of the world and the place of the student in it. So if you assume that for a second you are a student, a student of whatever discipline, what the world that is open to you is a function of how well you want and how far you want to go in terms of research, especially on the subject that you are considering. And so it's a broad way to look at it and say, even when you are not an academic, you are not a student, but you find yourself as an executive, a corporate executive at whatever level, if you take on the mindset and the mind frame of a student, assume that you are searching the world for examples of and then icons and models. There are people you want to model their style of leadership. 
then it helps you put some level of competence and belief into your system. Leaders should not view themselves solely as technical experts. Leaders solve problems through people in organizations or businesses or communities. Leaders, and indeed, people are faced with a nagging perennial problem. And so what they need is someone that just says, this is the way. Technology can help. Technology outpaces our ability to manage it. However, what the future portends for us, friends, is more of our ability to lead with better technology, not just to create technology. So if you continually talk about technology, which is good, technology is going to come in, we must drive our ability to lead with better technology, not just to create the technology. Because look at where we are. A lot of people are dying to create technology. But we are not spending opposite time to bring people up to speed on how to lead with the technology that we create. And so you have the geeks on one side, you have the developers on one side who are speaking their own language. They are very oblivious about the art and science of leadership. They don't know the art of leadership. And so when you take a techie guy, a tech-savvy guy, and plug him into a leadership role, the tendency is that he will fail. But imagine if that creator or the co-creator of the technology goes through a process where he is being taught and understands the ability to lead with technology, such a leader will be second to none. Friends, what I'm saying, as we put leadership into perspective, is that the sine qua non of leadership is to recognize that accomplishments can be made only through your people or through people. People are the material or primary materials with which leaders work. Almighty God saw it, knows it, knew it, and will continue to see that it takes man. It takes man to make things happen. And so, when you come through whatever you're doing and you don't involve people, the chances are that you may not succeed at the end of the day. If you rubbish people, treat them in a very unfashionable way, and you expect to have accomplishments at the end, I'm sorry, that will not happen. Why? Because it is given and it is written. It is the leader's task to organize and inspire them to achieve whatever mission and objective that they have in mind. Technique, process, and all of that, great as they are, they are not enough. And so please work with me within the ambits of letting you see why it is important for us as a people that when we want to elect leaders, anybody that does not have respect for people that would be arrogant and does not have empathy but is deceptive in nature when it comes to people and you can hear them speak and you can feel it when they talk, when you associate with them, that's not the kind of person to vote for. Because 
When you elect such a leader, he will draw crooked lines. But when you are going to see a leader that has an innate empathy, now, is it possible for someone to fake it, to be very quiet, and to tell you, oh, I am people-centric? Yes, it is possible. But you know what? You can test all spirits. If you look through very well, you will see what the antecedents of that person would have been and how it has panned out. And you then see that how critical a person can be when such people are not well inspired. Great skills in finance, in computing, in marketing, in sales, in commercial, in technology, supply chain, to mention a few, are of little value unless we have the capacity to use them to get important things done through people. I will say to you, friends, that it is vital to understand that the individual's function is part of a living whole. Are you a father? Are you a mother? Are you a brother? Are you a sister? An aunt? Uncle? What you need to understand is how each of those roles fit in to the family plan, into the family institution. How each of those roles supplement or even conflict with the other parts. And the other part here will be other families. Just the same way if you were to take that, take a business, take your competitors, you will then understand that what I'm saying to you, friends, is when you understand that the individual's function is part of a living whole, you will then understand how each role fits in, how the various roles supplement or even conflict with the other parts or people in other businesses. It is necessary to know what are reasonable and realistic trade-offs that can and should be made with other areas of the total activity. What I'm telling you, friends, leadership also gives room for negotiation. There's room for what I call realistic and reasonable trade-offs. You must be able to give in order to be able to take. You cannot take, take, take alone. You must also be willing to give. There's always a table. There's always a place of exchange. There's always a place where you need to go low in order to come high. Michelle Obama said, when they come, hit us. When they go low, we go high. That's a trade-off. That's a leadership skill. That's wisdom personified. And I want you to understand that the highest calling of leaders is to know how to shape the parts to make them fit better into the whole. Leadership is so challenging. When someone sits there at the top, people tend to look at you as the almighty, the only one that can solve problems. They will come to you with problems, problems, problems. They will not come to you with solutions, solutions, solutions. So how do you understand and where to shape each of the parts to make them fit better? That's the task of a leader. No man is an island, friends. And the entirety of man will tell you that every man is a piece of the entire continent. So it is with individual leaders at any level, whether in government, whether in the private sector, whether in an organization, whether in the business, 
whether in the church institution, whether in the mosque, whatever frame, religious, social, political, economic, family, sociocultural, whatever setting, you'll find the leader is part of the whole. And his or her responsibility is to make the whole greater because of his or her leadership presence. Don't say there is a major catastrophe on the ground and it is that man's fault. It is your fault too because it is your responsibility. You are a part of the whole. That person is a part of the whole. Why don't you stand up to be counted? Take up your own presence and make your presence count. That is leadership. You are leading people in a ship. That ship may be about to sink. You may have the knowledge, the wisdom from God on how to deal with it. Don't be quiet. Paul saw that the ship he knew was going to get wrecked. And he cried out, friends, you are going to hit. There's a storm calling. It's called the Hero Clydon. You need to do X, Y, Z. And when people did not take note of it, of course, they saw what happened afterwards. Many times, the failure to speak. I've seen people sit down in a situation. You find that the business is going down simply because there are some uncanny acts that have been perpetrated by a few. You will not speak up because you don't want them to say you are a snitch. How? or you are in leadership and you're sitting in a boardroom and people are sitting there and are ganging up. It's called the conspiracy of the elite. They are saying this is the number we are going to tell the, we are going to tell the shareholders that we did X, Y, Z. Count me not. I will never be in such a setting. If I find myself in such a setting, I will leave the place, friends. I'm not trying to paint a holier-than-thou sanctimony. But trust me, I will not sit in a place where they are ganging up to destroy a man. Neither would I sit down in a place where we are using our hands to destroy a business or to destroy a lifeline. No, that's not me. My DNA was not shaped that way. And so I will resist it. And if I cannot, I will leave. And if they don't want me to leave, I will go out and I will shout. And if I shout and nobody listens to me, I would have shouted anyway. Somebody somewhere. There's always a pharaoh that will not know Joseph. Somebody will come someday and say, this man did shout. This man did speak. When you don't speak, then you are a conspirator. Conspiracy of silence is what kills many leaders. I want you to go in that power of that might. I did warn you that today's addition will be to inspire and to drive you into a certain space by putting leadership into perspective and letting you corner the best of days ahead. We'll be right back, friends, as we come into the next edition. We'll continue on this trajectory. And hopefully, I believe you gain one or two things that will help you on your leadership journey. Thank you so much for listening, friends. Can't stop loving you guys. Goodbye and God bless you. And that was Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds.